Hey there. This time around, I am talking to Jan Matiaska, the new functional fitness world champion. We talk about his career so far and what it's like to live in Switzerland and how inspiring his mum, Regina, is his biggest motivation. I hope you enjoy. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome, Jan Matiaska, to Europe is Coming. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast this week because we have something to celebrate. You just became a world champion. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Vicky. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's an honor. You're in Mexico at the moment having a holiday, which is a well-deserved holiday, I reckon. What's the weather like over there? It's actually really nice. So uh, we have sunshine all day, it's maybe like 25 degrees-ish. It's pretty warm in training, but um, perfect to chill at the beach. And um, you're going to be over there for a few days celebrating Christmas and I guess New Year as well. So congratulations. I know that the weather is pretty cold um, in Switzerland, which is where you're from at this time of year. So it must be a nice change for you. Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of summer in the winter time. So to restart with, uh, you tell me a bit about yourself and where you're from, because I'm, I mean, it's the first time I've had the chance to talk to you, although we were in the same place at the same time earlier this year when you were at semifinals, but I didn't get the opportunity to meet you then. So why don't you introduce yourself to, to me and to the listener? Sure. So yeah, nice that we've been in London as well. Um, very busy there, so I didn't really talk to many many people otherwise as well. Yeah, well, I'm a Swiss CrossFit athlete, also functional fitness, which is where I competed at uh, this weekend. Been doing this sport for the last let's say four years or so. I've been an Amer- American football player before that, so um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We can go chronologically through some of the things I've done, or I don't know. <laughs> however you want to do it how old are you i'm 28 28 so I, I mean i don't know about the swiss school system but i guess you left school 10 years ago uh yeah well i did my university degree so i have a bachelor's degree in economics and i finished that degree right about the time before i got into crossfit or like when i got into crossfit so the last year of my studies i've written my bachelor thesis and that's when I also got more into the sport and I've used a lot of the time that I had to really train more than I studied. And then I, I actually started my master's degree, but I was more into training and competing rather than studying. And then at some point, I just decided to kind of make a switch and go more from the business side and studying side of things towards sports and uh, focused most of my energy on uh, training and did some coaching and programming on the side which is what I'm still doing right now and uh, yeah since then I've focused I would say the last the last two years have been pretty all in into training and then just uh, doing as much uh, coaching and coaching and programming on the side as I need to in order to like get by. When you decided to um, stop doing your master's in economics or is it business how did that um, go down with your family? I would say at, at first it was, uh, I mean, it was a little, little bit of a, of a, not a shock, but they were a little bit like surprised or maybe anxious um, because I've, like, I've always been kind of on the academic path and I've had good grades in, in, in school. And so when I decided that, 
I mean, my dad at first was like, well, of course you're going to finish your master's degree, right? I was like, yes, yes, of course. I'm just like, I'm just taking a short break now in order to like really fulfill my sports dreams. And then I'll be like right back finishing it. And uh, I mean, I, I still haven't completely ruled it out, but I would say for the moment it's going really well how, how it's going with the sport. And I'm not, I don't have any plans on, on finishing that degree anytime soon. Don't tell your dad. <laughs> but it, it was definitely, he might be listening to it. So, uh, I mean, they don't know that much about CrossFit and functional fitness and weightlifting and all that stuff. They like, all they know is that I train a lot and that I do have a lot of muscle. And like, <laughs> that's like the thing that they see at Christmas, right? Um, but now actually like just the past week when, uh, when I won that, world championship in functional fitness i texted them i was like hey like or actually they've been following it they've been following the, along with the competition a little bit and then they all texted us like hey it's like it's so amazing to see that like what you're doing in sports seems to be paying off and you seem to like get some results from it and i think now they're much more how do you say like in in ease with it or like appreciate what i'm doing in some way yeah i mean thank goodness <laughs> i think it's a, a leap of a leap of faith for everybody isn't it when you take a big a big change in your direction were you um were you a sporty kid i mean i would say i've always i've always been into sports but i've never been like a professional athlete in some way so for me sports has always been like through my childhood it's always been just super fun and i do whatever i wanted to do enjoy doing also tried out a lot of different things so i've played i've played multiple sports when i was when i was little so i played actually tennis for a long time and then i played handball i played i mean i tried a little bit of soccer did some track and field competitions i just everything and then also later in university like i was trying out different courses played table tennis and whatever just whatever came to mind you know so i've really enjoyed doing all different um all different sports obviously with swiss background i'm a, like i'm a decent skier and snowboarder i do cross-country skiing all that stuff would you say that um you were competitive as well from uh, from a child or, or was it more just the fun of the sports that you liked oh maybe i should ask my brother uh, <laughs> no i'm like I'm, I'm, I'm like we were always super competitive and i, I was always like almost to a point a little bit too competitive where they like he just started doing stop doing challenges with me altogether because he's like it's not fun doing challenges with you look you're always too competitive and <laughs> but i think it's been really good like, like also for me growing up having a brother who was also into sports we actually played american football together um that's definitely been something that's been pushing me a lot as well and is your brother into crossfit uh yes but i mean not in the same way that i am so he trains regularly like almost every day but he's not like not much into competing or doesn't have any like specific high goals that he wants to meet so it's more get fit we don't have a panchik situation then or a, or a juke kick situation on our hands here uh, no i don't think so so when you when you decided to um focus more on t into crossfit was it with the intention of becoming a professional athlete? Was it just something that you could see that you were really you get you were naturally good at, or that you enjoyed working at? I would say that when I decided that I wanted to 
train as much as I train now and focus all my energy on it. The goal was definitely to make it as professional as it can be. So it's also like from pretty much from the start, I've kind of looked at the sport from an economic perspective. And I mean, obviously, it's like it's a very small sport, so there's not a lot of money in it. I mean, even if you're on the top, it's not a lot of money compared to bigger sports. So I found that if I wanted to do this at a somewhat professional level, I needed to find a way to market myself. And so I've, like, I've been re- very um, active on, on Instagram as well for the past two years or so, like just posting regular stuff, having like decent content. And that way, hopefully be more attractive for sponsors and trying to make a revenue from it. Yeah, I mean, it's something that a lot of athletes don't really understand or can't cope with on top of the actual training. So it's great that you have a business background is going to give stand you i hope in in good stead um how i mean like who who are your who are your sponsors now do who do you have so uh my well my main sponsor is a swiss supplement uh brand it's called uh, nutrithelic and i've actually i've been with them for for a couple of years so they've basically supported me right from the start and we've kind of been growing together or hopefully gonna grow even more together they must be pleased with you after your recent success. Yeah, that we have, a, we have a good relationship. I'm assuming that the World Championship last weekend is like a big career highlight for you. Um, can you tell me a bit about the competition, why you decided to enter it, and actually what it was like to be there? Sure. So, I mean, maybe taking a small step back, that competition was under the Functional Fitness Federation. And that is is kind of the same thing as CrossFit in terms of what they're testing or what the competition is, actually. But it's just organized in a different way. So, I mean, CrossFit is is the global brand. They have their, they're from the US. They just, I mean, whatever they want to do, they do it under the name of CrossFit. And then functional fitness is kind of the same, I would say, sport, quote unquote, but it's organized in a federational um, aspect so there's an international federation and there's national federations and they just follow a little bit of a different more i would i would say overall more organized structure although it's like not as big as the name crossfit and uh, i've been competing in that functional fitness environment for also for the last three years already so become the national champion multiple times then i Participated last year in the Worlds and uh, I became second place behind Moritz Fiebig there. And uh, Moritz won, so uh, he's had a good career since then and I'm hoping to take a similar direction. Let's see. And uh, yeah, this year this year I've been in it again. I, uh, I won the European Championships earlier this year and now I'm super happy to, to have made it into the Worlds on top of the podium as well. I mean, I, from my understanding, that especially about the workouts, each workout has got a specific aim, hasn't it? And they're also they're also planned in advance. There's no surprises. Yeah, so it is slightly different in the sense that they have predefined six categories that will be tested. So in a CrossFit comp, you don't really know how many workouts it's going to be, or I mean, what exactly will be tested, but it's. I would say it's it's still similar in functional fitness, but the difference is just that they say we have six different categories. So there is, um, let's see, there's endurance, strength, body weight, 
skill, mixed, and a power test. So you know you're going to have six tests that more or less fall into those categories. But then you don't know how they're going to be filled exactly. So let's let's take an endurance test, for example. I mean, this year at the Worlds, we had a 250-meter swim and a three-and-a-half-K run. That was the endurance test. But at the Europeans, it was a pure rowing test, so it was a 6K row. Or then it can be anything with with double unders or like just the cyclic conditioning piece. But what exactly it is, we don't know. And same for the strength, like it can be, it's going to be something heavy. You know that. But you don't know whether it will be a complex, a one rep max, a workout for time, whether it's going to be Olympic lifting or power lifting. So I would say in a, in a way, it's, it's still similar to um, CrossFit because in a CrossFit competition, let's, let's take regionals, for example. You know there's going to be around six tests. You know that some, one of them is going to be probably pretty heavy. One of them is probably going to be very a longer workout. The other one's going to be more like gymnastics style. They also test different things within a competition. They just don't name them as harshly as the functional fitness defines the tests. I mean, I, the thing is, I also understand that there's federations for each country. Mm-hmm. So do you? how does the Swiss Federation support you? So, I mean, they set up, so every national federation is in charge of their own qualification system. And uh, then they select the athletes that can go to, to the world. And then each federation is a little bit different in terms of how much they can support the athletes. I mean, the bigger the federation, I guess, the more support the athletes are going to get. For us, they were just like um, financially supporting us with the tra- uh, with the travel, and then they also sent one like one full time or like one coach that was there for us for the competition. They organized um, a physiotherapist who was there for everybody from the team and the individual competitors. And they just took care of the planning of the whole trip. So like they were booking the hotels for everyone so that we're all together. So basically like much of the planning is taken care of. And then also when you're on site, you have a little bit more support. Whereas often in, in CrossFit, you're just, I mean, it's you're just on your own, right? You qualify for an event and then it's just like, okay, find your way there, pay your way there. And uh, you yeah, sound so that, fantastic. Yes, I mean, it, no, it's something that I really, really enjoy, and I think it it has a lot of potential for the future as well. Maybe not for the future that is, I would say, relevant to me as an athlete, because over the next couple of years, it's still gonna, you know, take its time to develop. And definitely, is in his uh, how do you say that childhood shoes? Is that a term in English as well? <laughs> it's still very young. Yeah, exactly. It's in its infancy. <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to say. But I think it in um, in terms of its potential, I really like I really like the potential that it has if the national federations become bigger and then maybe you can get like uh, recognition as an official sport or in Switzerland it's like if you're if you have the Olympics recognition, you can get more support through the government. And then if you have that, there's a lot more opportunities for both like athletes and coaches and also development of younger athletes that I just see a lot of potential in. And so if I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to hopefully compete in that structure and do something for, for that growing sport. Is it popular in Switzerland as a like, functional no. fitness as the brand? Not, not really. I would say CrossFit is still like the main thing. So there's not, it's not like everyone's competing in the qualifiers. 
there's still like a handful of people just like in any other competition that that take part in those qualifying competitions but there are other examples where the sport um functional fitness is actually i, I would say maybe maybe i'm wrong but i would say even more popular than maybe crossfit so norway is like the prime example they they sent they sent a bunch of athletes to the worlds they have competitors in all different categories maybe it's good to talk to matilde about it because to me it, it's i will yeah because to me it seems that uh, when i was there last year they were saying that it's actually a bigger it's actually a bigger part than crossfit itself so people want to take they want to become like national champion in functional fitness they want to qualify for the national championship in functional fitness they don't really care about that part of the season so much so i, I mean i'm going to listen to your interview with matilda yeah i'm going to listen to your interview with matilda and see what she, see what she has to say i'm took I'm talking to Matilda after Christmas, so you'll have to wait until the new year to hear it. But I am, um, yeah, I know Matilda. Um, she's been in Mallorca, which is where I am. Um, she's trained with the program in the past. I've taken her picture a few times. I actually was with her when we were doing, was it quarterfinals or semifinals? Online semifinals the year before last. Oh, yeah. yeah I was here. When, yeah, that was dramatic. Yeah, dramatic. Anyway, oh, talking. But let's talk. Let's talk about semifinals because um, you were at Strength and Depth this year, and you finished sixteenth. Yes. And I mean, as as a com- as a competitive fellow, what did you come away from thinking about? What did you need to work on after semifinals that you realised was going like, to? What did you? What have you been looking at since then in order to now be in the position that you are today? So, first of all, I would say walking back from the Strength and Depth semifinal, I was. I was certainly happy that I progressed in the right direction because we were just talking about the semifinal that was online the year before uh, during the COVID year. And that was the first semis that I qualified for. And that was like my big goal when I started out. I I wanted to get to that regional level. And uh, then I finally made it and it was moved to an online competition. At first it was like a big bummer. I was like, damn, I don't get, like, I don't get to compete as the prize. And, I made it in like just like the last place that just qualified and I knew I wasn't going to get any further this year. And then the online competition just really like it went really bad. I had some bad workouts, not some really, not good performances. And I ended up in pretty much last place. So uh, when I got to, con- or when I qualified again for London, I was first of all really happy to, to have made it again and actually like in a, in a solid position not just sliding into the last place and then when i competed at london i would say i was happy that i could like get some first of all like some good, really good finishes in the stuff that i know that i'm good at so like the strength event and the short shuttle run rope climb event were like tests that i knew i might do well in and i think i got like two six place finishes which was was fine it was close for for an event win with the complex uh, tried to beat Christoph Horvath and probably had that one kilo too much on the bar. He's a big boy, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, that was definitely a good takeaway. But I think I was more happy that even in the events that I would have previously done pretty bad at, I could actually somewhat stay within the field. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't like dead last or didn't have any chance, chance of beating the time caps or anything. And that was more my bigger worry because the year before some of the workouts went so badly and I was like so far behind the field that I was, I don't know, I was still like nervous getting into it. Didn't really know 
whether I belonged on that competition floor. But then walking back, I was like, okay, now now I know that I can I, I can compete with on that stage, and I was really like hungry for more. Yeah, you were hanging with the big boys. Yeah. So what what is uh, what does your training con- what has your training consisted of since strength and depth until now? What 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 weaknesses have you been working on? So I would say, I mean, I'm I'm a bigger athlete in terms of my my statue like one 186 tall which is like quite tall and then also in terms of weight i'm like 99 kilos ish so pretty heavy for a semi-final athlete so for me it's always the the stuff that doesn't have heavy weights in that i need to get better at so i need to get better at just moving myself like moving my own body weight for longer periods of time at a certain speed. So for a long time, it's always it's always been oh, I need to get these many reps unbroken, or I need to I need to try and achieve whatever speed I can hold for for a couple of minutes. And now it's more like I need to not only be able to go unbroken for a certain amount of reps, but also then I cut the transition time to zero and keep cycling at a certain rate without getting too slow and trying to be too relaxed. So don't give yourself little breaks in the transitions. Keep pushing hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a lot. Of, I would say overall, it's a lot of conditioning work, a lot of light weight work, and not a lot of lifting or or strength training overall. I mean, com- coming from a background of like table tennis and American football, you didn't say gymnastics in the in your list of things that you'd done before. So I always wonder how how an athlete can really improve on their gymnastics if they haven't started when they're like a five-year-old because it's so hard, especially when you're a bigger person, to do all those bodyweight exercises. Definitely practiced a lot on the muscle-ups and handstand walks and all that stuff. But for some reason, I'm trying to think, like I'm trying to figure out why. But let's, I mean, the first time I walked into the gym, um, they had like a board on the wall that said if you want to be part of the competition team you have to be able to do these certain things and it was like you know benchmark lifts a certain de- weight on the deadlift a certain weight on on the snatch a certain time on the row and then it was also the gymnastic stuff and you had to be able to do five unbroken ring muscle ups and like shoulder freestanding shoulder taps in a one by one meter square and it's something that i've never done before so i've never like I've never hung on the rings and tried to do muscle-ups. And I walked into the gym and I looked at the board and then I saw the rings next to it. I was like, let's give it a try. And I did five. And that's, that's literally like zero technique. I just kind of swung myself up there, dipped out and did five in a row. Um, I would say, I, def- I mean, I definitely, I've, I've been a strong athlete. Like I've been strong when I started with the CrossFit stuff. So I've been training in the gym since I was about 14. So I had a good like overall strength level. And then I've, I don't know. I've kind of played around a lot. Like we had a backyard when I was little and I've always tried to, you know, stand on my hands, walk on my hands, just do stuff like that. We had a trampoline in the backyard. So I've been jumping around, doing all sorts of backflips, front flips, side flips, and all that stuff, just for fun. So I would say just playing around a lot has definitely helped me to, to be able to master those things as well. Tell me a bit about your day-to-day life when you're not in Mexico swanning around being a world champion. What do you what would you what would your day what would your day normally look like? Uh, I would say I have a pretty structured day-to-day life usually. So I always train twice a day, uh, five days a week. And then I like I go 
I wake up, I usually sleep into like whatever that is, 7.30ish. I have my breakfast, then I go to the gym. I start my first training around 9, 9.30. I train until lunch break. And then usually over lunch, I do some work on the computer, on the phone, whatever I need to do. And then I start my second session around 2, 2.30. I train for another whatever two hours it is. And then uh, go back home or coach or do some programming. Basically, after that, I'm free. Who coaches you or do you coach yourself? I have a coach from Denmark. It's uh, Philip Wisgard. He's been uh, with or he's with JST, and he's been to the regionals when he was a competitor. Yeah, so I'm, I've been working with him for more than two years now. Uh, yeah, really, really happy with that. And what's your favorite, um, what would you say your favorite workout is to do? What, do you like? what, what would you say if, I, if he's programming for you for the week, what are you going to look forward to the most? Is it something with a barbell by any chance? The barbell stuff is usually not super excited because, super exciting because, I'm like I'm I'm good at it. If there's a workout with heavy barbells, I know I know it's gonna be a good one. So I usually don't get to do those fun workouts where I know I'm gonna be better than than most others. So I usually do the stuff that's like openness workout, a lot uh, like a lot of transitions, low weights, long time domains. There's not really anything in particular that I would say I'm really looking forward to. It's shifted a little bit. I would say in the beginning it was like oh, I'm really looking forward to like lifting the heavy weights and doing the strength stuff. And now the focus is more on like this is a workout that I know has the opportunity to improve me as an athlete, and that's why I'm looking forward to it. So if it's if it's running intervals, it's not like I'm super excited to do some running intervals, but I know it has probably the most potential to make me a better athlete, and that's what gets me a bit more excited now. What is motivating you to do this? I think I have a lot of intrinsic motivation just to be like the best athlete. I've always like growing up, that's always been my thing. I've been very competitive. I wanted to be good at everything that I do. And I think that's what got me started. But I would say now it's more so that I start seeing the impact that I can have on other people. So I can see that I can motivate others to i don't know be healthier become fitter live a better life because they can see or they see what i'm doing or how much work i'm putting into the sport and how it's making me a better better athlete and maybe hopefully a better person on the side as well and i always i always like to to take take my mom as an example there because she's uh she hasn't done a lot of sports i would say for the past maybe 15 20 years or so and then during the COVID break, she approached me and, and she said, Hey, I, like, I want to, I want to do something. There's, there's nothing going on. And I want to maybe get into sports again, start training or do something. And obviously we had a lot of, a lot of time. So I've written a program for her that she could do on her own at home. It was like really simple movements, just like body weight, body weight lunges push-ups on the knees, you know, sit-ups on the floor, really easy stuff. And so we kind of started there, progressed on, and, uh, well, fast forward two years, uh, she's done her first, like, beginner's competition. She's joined the CrossFit box. She's doing regular trainings. Like, she wants to do something when she's on vacation. 
she has she still has her programming from me where she has a little like actually one of the rooms at home has become a full-on home gym so she has a squat rack with a bench with a barbell with a rower <laughs> it's like it's everything at home and for me that is just like a perfect perfect example also because it's like it's my mom so of course it's much more emotional but i would say that's really something that's like that's driving me now what's her name Regina. Regina. Go, Regina. You're my hero as well. Because that's like, that sounds really, like, I think that's perfect what you just said. And I think it's really interesting how many competitive professional athletes actually then say they want that the thing that they really want to do is inspire others. Who inspires you? Who do you look up to? I don't have anyone specific in the CrossFit space. I would say that I look up to different people for different reasons because of what they're doing well. Well, I would say growing up, the number one person's always been Roger Federer. So, I mean, I've, I've played tennis all, all my childhood and he's like the Swiss hero. He still is, even though he just retired. And uh, I've always been a big Roger Federer fan, watching all his games. And uh, yeah, I would say he's definitely an inspiration. Also the way he handles himself, not like just on the on the court, but also like everything that he does off the court, just the type of, person that he seems to be it's like i find it so amazing yeah i think i mean Sw switzerland is a small country but you guys have got a, a reputation for not being the most emotional of people you're like you're pretty controlled you're pretty calm you're quite organized you're really good with money you know there's like there are definite stereotypes out there for the swiss i mean oh every country's got their own thing haven't they but roger federer has been a fantastic ambassador for switzerland hasn't he Absolutely. I mean, he's probably the best, the best thing that can, could have happened to Switzerland. And definitely for the sports people, I would say a role model to look up to. So tell me, uh, I want to just ask you a couple of little quick questions as well about like just funny little things. I would like you to, if you could, describe Switzerland and describe um, what it's like to live in Switzerland to the listener. Because we've got people who listen to the podcast who've never been to Switzerland and possibly never will go. And it'd be great if you could describe your country Yeah, so um, I mean, for me, Switzerland is like it's the perfect mix of of so many things. Like, there's most first and foremost like beautiful nature, both in the summer and in the winter time, and it gives you the opportunity to do so many activities outdoors. So, like now in the winter time, when I'll go back, I'll do a lot of cross country skiing, maybe go to the mountains for some snowboarding. But then in the summertime, you can go like swimming in the lakes. There's a lot of lakes, and there's mountains to go to go hiking uh just a lot of fun activities you can do outside and really beautiful nature and then i would say the cities are if you were taking me for lunch in switzerland what kind of food would you tell me that i should eat oh now that's hard because i don't eat outside like i don't eat at restaurants very much usually it's uh usually i have my meal prep with me and that is for two reasons one it's healthy always and two it's just cheaper because restaurants are that's another thing about switzerland it's quite expensive so if we would go out for lunch in switzerland we would go to the buffet right next to the gym what do we have uh they have a lot of it's actually a vegetarian buffet but they have all sorts of like i would say fancy fancy salads and vegetables and just good healthy stuff for a decent price 
I was really hoping you were going to say something with cheese. Yeah, like fondue. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe if you were going in the winter time in the mountains, you could have a fondue or a raclette. But uh, yeah, I don't have that very often because all the cheese doesn't really go well with training. No, it's just very heavy in the stomach. Yeah, definitely, it's not great for on many levels. <laughs> and what's the what the biggest mistake we make when we think about Switzerland? What's the big myth about Switzerland that you would like to bust? Oh. Uh... That's tough. I don't know. I would have to think about that one. Okay. Well, send me a, send me a message when you've got it. Yeah, if I, if I got something, then uh, I'll let you know. Well, I mean, I can give you one of my own because I know quite a few. I've interviewed a couple of, of Swiss athletes, and you included, but also I, I work occasionally with a, a Swiss lady. And um, you guys are fun, you know. And the thing that I like about Swiss people is that they're very clear about what they want and they're very honest about what they want and um, they don't mind telling you what they want and it's really quite refreshing you don't have that sort of miscommunication or two-facedness that you get with some people and I really like that about the Swiss people that I've met so far anyway I've always had that trait oh that's good happy to hear well so um, next year we're going to be in Berlin did you know that that's where the semi-finals are going to be Yes, I just saw that yesterday. Very exciting. Have you been to Berlin before? I've been to Berlin. I've competed there twice with some of my earlier competitions. So I did the Beast of Berlin back in like 2009, 2019. And Moritz was there as well. I just heard about that. He won the competition there. And then I've competed in the team at the Berlin Throwdown. So you know your way around. And uh, yeah, those are my experiences in Berlin. Well, I, I knew my way around to the competition. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, and that's why I like the fact that you're spending some time in Mexico now that you've finished your competition. It's because like, this year when I've been traveling, it's basically been get in, get, uh, arrive, go to the competition arena, stay in the competition arena for however many days and then get on the next plane out of there again. And I think this, I really like Berlin. I've been there once before and I'm looking at my flights thinking I'm going to stay at least one extra day so that I can have a bit of Berlin experience that isn't in an arena taking pictures. I think that's a good idea. If you, if you can do it, absolutely go for it. I think so. Because I mean, otherwise it's just a blur and it's so tiring as well from my point of view to be like constantly making content and you guys like competing, it gets very stressful. So... It's nice to have something to think, okay, I'm going to give myself a little break at the end of it. Um, well, have fun in Mexico, and I hope to see you in Berlin. I hope to see you in Berlin as well. Excited for that. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy holidays to you as well. And enjoy the rest of your break. Congratulations, Cham. Thank you very much, Vicky, for having me on. Thank you, Jan, and I shall see you in Berlin. In the next episode, I'm going to be chatting with Matilda Garnes. Europe is Coming is hosted by me, Vicky McLeod, and edited by Matra Kandel. Until next time, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.